Welcome to Sound and Vision, conversations with contemporary artists and musicians about the creative process. Here's the host of Sound and Vision, Brian Alfred. Sound and Vision is sponsored by Golden Artist Colors. Golden makes some of the best art materials that you can get. You can find their products online at goldenpaints.com or in your local art store. Sound and Vision is also sponsored by Fulcrum Coffee Roasters. Fulcrum makes incredible coffee that you can have delivered to your door. Check out their website, fulcrumcoffee.com, where you can order subscription coffee services to have different blends delivered straight to your door, and you could save by entering code ALFREDSTUDIO when you check out. Sound and Vision is supported by the New York Studio School. The school welcomes artists of all levels to join the upcoming five-day intercession marathon entitled Constructing Space, led by painter Ed Preby, and taking place from Thursday, March 21st through Monday, March 25th, 2024. Rigorous and immersive, the Studio School's legendary marathons present an extensive range of art-making strategies, comprehensive critiques, and inspirational discussions. Virtual marathons are led in real-time online, enabling artists to participate from their studios anywhere in the world. Visit nyss.org to apply today and stay tuned for summer marathons coming up in June and July. Yuan Fang is an artist born in Shenzhen, China, who lives and works in New York. She graduated from the Visual and Critical Studies program at School of Visual Arts in 2019 and received Rhodes Family Award for Outstanding Achievement and several scholarships. She received her MFA from the same institution in 2022. Her works have been acquired by museums, institutions, and collections around the world, including the ICA Miami, Lafayette Anticipations, the Flag Art Foundation, the Long Museum, Pond Society, Green Family Art Foundation, He Art Museum, Asymmetry Art Foundation, Song Art Museum, the Green Rapids Art Museum, and many more. She's having a solo show at the Long Museum in Shanghai as the youngest artist ever who holds a show there until March 24th and will open her first solo exhibition in the UK at Scarsdale Gallery during London Gallery Weekend this May. I talked to Yuan about lyrical painting, movement, paving her own way in work, diverse music taste, working large scale, and much more. Here's our conversation. Well, you're, you're in Brooklyn too, right? Yes. What part of what part? Oh, I live in Fort Greene. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Is your studio far from where you live, or is it where you live? Um, actually, I just moving to like a residency that I just got in. The residency oh, name is yeah, like yeah. Um, Silver Arts Project. It's located in um, World Trade Center. So actually, now my studio is in Fidei, which is kind of weird, you know. It's kind of yeah, like that's... you having a normal job and going to the subway <laughs> and then commuting to Fidei. Right, like the whole idea of us becoming artists was not to go to Wall Street every day. Oh, yeah. But now <laughs> I'm going to the Wall Street every day, basically. So how have you started? Have you started working there? Or yeah, you just I just, uh, yeah, I just moved me last week. Okay. Is it weird yeah. to commute there? Uh, at the beginning, it's actually, it's kind of weird because like 
my working hours actually just like a normal like nine to five sort of hours. So I、yeah. actually when I actually like commuting to World Trade Center, just like I have to squeezing the subways, etc. Yeah, it's like the normal. Yeah, it feels like、commute. a normal person, you know. Because before,、um, my studio was in Bestai. I basically just like、yeah. walk to my studio every day. Like it's like a half an hour walk. It's a nice way to get your like daily cardio down, sort of. Sure. So that was kind of chill, but like now, like getting on the subway and then commuting to financial district is like kind of,、uh, I don't know. But I think I'll get used to it. Did you change your dress code? Are you wearing like? <laughs> Wall Street style clothes. No, I just say when I'm like just going to the studio and knowing that I'm not seeing like people, I just like wear like I don't know very simple like clothes. I don't know. <laughs> yeah,、right, studio yeah. gear. But I always change when I、um, like start painting, right? Because I I work really like messily. Yeah. Yeah, you know I've seen studio shots. It looks like you you do get a little paint. Not、there. a little, but yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. Well, here's a question for you. The do you think that changing your studio? I mean, obviously, when someone changes a studio space, there's a little bit of a different feel. But do you think it will affect your work? I don't think necessarily because I feel like I am pretty, like I'm a pretty private person. I usually. I don't get interrupted by my like surroundings that much, so like、mm-hmm. I think my only like I don't know when I'm working I just need like a really big space because I feel like the space between like the canvas and、uh, like the room or slash my studio is very essential to my practice. So I always like need、yeah. like a big space to paint, and also like not to mention that、um, all almost all of my paintings are like large scale. They are like bigger than me, so I think、yeah. I just need like the space is very important for me, and also like I think I would prefer like a lot of natural lights, as I guess like most of painter would feel that way.、Hmm. Well, I read a little bit about. And I don't know if this、yeah. is true or not. You can't always believe what you read, but that your work is influenced by sort of, you know, anxiousness or、uh, movement or feeling like, you know, your personal relationship to those sort of things of, and that comes out in the action of the painting. So I'd imagine, you know, your mind state on a busy commute to the financial district. Your headspace and what you've encountered would be different than a half an hour walk from Fort Greene to Bedside. Yeah, but but I feel like you、so、know what, when you enter into the studio building, which is just like a very I would say kind of like a fancy, clean, high rise office building, it actually、mm-hmm. like calms you down after、yeah. all the subway stuff. Yeah. That's true because most studio buildings are not calm. Yeah, they're very chaotic, like <laughs> industrial, sort of. Yeah, it puts you in a, a certain mind space too, because usually a lot of studio buildings in Brooklyn are cold. They're not super well maintained. You know, there's 
I don't know, like the lobby of my studio building in Bushwick is freezing. Oh, actually. really? And there's a lot of industrial stuff going on outside of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I feel like I get into a certain mind. But, but then when I go into my studio, it becomes my yeah, world. Yeah, you know. Well, speaking speaking yeah. of your world, you you grew up in Shenzhen, right? Yes. How was that? Um, When I have to like describe it to people, I usually just say that it's a city nearby Hong Kong, you know? Right. Because yeah. most people never heard of the city. Um, but I would say like Shenzhen is kind of like a Silicon Valley in China. Yeah, there's a lot so, of tech stuff. Yeah, there's right like there. all the big tech company headquarters are in Shenzhen. But also it's like a really young city without like that many like history or culture. And yeah. also it's kind of like an immigrant city. So like most people who live there are from like different parts of China. Right. So... I guess like be- because of that growing up there, I never feel like I don't know like um, so I didn't grow up like going to museum or like art stuff in Shenzhen. So like I guess and Shenzhen is kind of like a boring city. Like sorry, but there's not that much <laughs> going on there besides like working and the money making. So I don't know. Like the but, financial district. <laughs> yeah, sort of. Exactly. Yeah, so ever since like, elementary school, like I would just like go to Hong Kong with my mom as like weekend trips and stuff. Mm-hmm. And Hong Kong was like much more interesting. And um, yeah, I don't have that much stuff to say about Shenzhen. It's <laughs> what it is. Did your, did your parents end up there through work? Yeah. Or were they, yeah. Yeah. So, but they didn't. Did they work in the creative fields at all, or were no, they creative? It's kind of. <laughs> I have a very typical like Chinese parents. So, my mom is sort of like a finance bro, and uh, uh, my dad also works at a bank, but he's like doing managing or like operation stuff. He's not yeah. really like a finance finance bro, but um, yeah, I my parents obviously wants me to be a banker. Um, since I was a kid and I was so like, I just like went to like, I don't know, normal like schools in China. And yeah, yeah, but the thing is like my dad and also a little bit of my mom, he's like very into like culture or like architecture, design and art stuff. So like I was very fortunate that like since I was a kid, like my parents would like take me to Europe and mm-hmm. like travel around the world. And then I remember like going because my dad is a big fan of Van Gogh, Van Gogh and then Picasso and stuff. So yeah. I went to like the Picasso Museum in Spain when I was like 11 or something. Oh, and Barcelona? that kind of was, uh, yeah. In Barcelona, nice. Yeah. And then oh, went to all the museums in Paris when, yeah. So that was kind of like the beginning of my art education. So it's pretty weird. Yeah, it's pretty weird because I'm a Chinese, right? But like, I feel like almost none of my art education is from China. Yeah. Which I would imagine is a big difference because a lot of the artists that I've interviewed and know who grew up in China, who've gone to art school there, it seems so rigorous and traditional. Yeah, I never, like, went to art schools in China. So, um, obviously, my parents want to me want me to be a banker. 
And then they are like, oh, you have to go to like the top middle school and then the top high school. And then like, because then I decided to like, oh, I'm going to study abroad. Like I'm going to go to college in the U.S., right? And they're like, oh, yeah. okay, you have to go to Ivy League. And right. I did when I did like get into the best middle school in Shenzhen and then the top high school in Shenzhen. But like my, I was like, I think I have like trouble concentrating on studying. Like I'm not that good at school. So like I didn't get into Ivy League. And then, yeah. And my parents was like, oh no. And uh, I first like <laughs> went to like, uh, you know, like a university, like trying to study business in Boston. And then like after like, half semester in I was like I really couldn't do this and then like it was I think it was like right before my 18th birthday that which is in November and I called my parents called my parents and I was like oh I really I need to go to our school like you guys would need really need to send me there otherwise I'm gonna hate you forever and then they're like okay fine so like I kind of like drop out and then like apply to schools again in the U.S. and then yeah. So, the but the plan was to always go to school in the U.S. Yeah, yeah, but I never like went to like art schools in China. I mean, I think I took like one or two drawing classes when I was in middle school, and then I really like don't like it. Because yeah. as you might know, it's really rigorous and it's not fun. And I just like, yeah, couldn't you do it. You wanted the freedom. Yeah. And also like my parents were like, even if you can take the drawing classes, we're not going to allow you to go to like art school or become an artist. And then I have to like uh, spend a whole weekend like doing my calculus classes mm -hmm. instead or like sure. English classes. So I just never had enough time or energy in China to like do art stuff, I guess. Right. Do you think that, um, this is a big question and you don't have to answer this cause it might be a bigger idea that, but do you think that in China, those, the schools that are so rigorous and are about technique and traditional ways of making work, but almost like traditional in a European sense more than, it's uh, or are you would you be learning sort of like ink drawing and and scroll painting you know i doubt that you're doing that right it's more of like a western style of uh, learning figure drawing and still life painting and things like that i don't really know that much about like art academies in china to be honest and... a lot of the work that comes out of it looks like that right oh I don't know, like maybe in, in terms of like contemporary Chinese art, I don't think so, but because I feel like, especially in China, there's like more and more artists around my, around my age, like most of them are like have study abroad experience. Yeah. So I guess like, I don't know that many like artists who like purely did their educations in China. Right. Yeah. So, um, well, this is a parallel question. As growing up, were you, was there music in the house or were you interested in music at all? I mean, uh, I think 
when I was a kid, I li- I just like I listened to like pop music. I listened sure. to like Lady Gaga growing up, okay, and <laughs> my dad likes classical music, so he always like shit about my music taste. Oh, um, <laughs> That's so banker of him. <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, but it's kind of weird that my parents we never own a TV in the house, mm-hmm. and um, my mom is really into literature. Like, I when I it's funny. Like when I was ten years old in elementary school, my mom my mom gave me some books, books by uh, Yukio Mishima. Do you know the Japanese uh-huh. author? Yeah, sure. Who killed himself? Mm-hmm. Am I out? And I got really into it since I was a kid. I was like 10 years old, but can you imagine? It's kind of crazy that if you're a mom and you give your kid like you kill Mishima. Yeah, that's pretty heavy. That's, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But it had anyway. an effect. You were, were you into it or were you just like, what I the hell really, is this stuff? I was really into it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, sometimes when, when you know, artists are young before they're artists um they music is a very easy way to sort of see people being expressive or finding their genre or they identify with music it's not like a lot of you know 14 or 15 year olds are identifying themselves through like museum art and stuff but music is something that they can really connect to but it sounds like i mean lady gaga is a great example of someone who's very creative you know what i mean she's she does her own thing and she's very talented so especially as a kid in china like it i think kind of creates like a big influence on me but like lately i think after i moved to new york i got into like uh like glenn rock like roxy music sure and stuff yeah so like i think the music tape is like all over the place yeah well did so let's talk about sva i mean were you what was it like for you did you was it a hard adjustment at first did you like it or how were the classes i think it's more about like me trying to like navigate myself in new york because i think now looking back i think it's kind of crazy it's like before i moved to new york like of course like i study like SAT and then mm-hmm. AP stuff in China, but it was not really like practical English. Like we don't really like talk or communicate in English in daily basis. So like when I just moved to New York, I barely, barely speak any English, which was pretty wild. And yeah, I, yeah. I can imagine that's a big shift. Yeah. I have no idea why my parents did this to me, but anyways. Um, so when I was first arriving in New York, I actually, I studied, like, I began to study photography in SVA, which mm-hmm. is pretty weird because I, I didn't, be, so first of all, like, when I decided to go to art school, I didn't, like, expect myself to become a painter because right. I didn't really have a chance to paint, uh, yeah. which is funny, um, but i so, but I started to like taking photographs as a hobby when I was in high school. So I was like, okay, let, like, let me give this a try. And then I realized that uh, okay. I cannot like be a photographer. Um, 
and but then because I got super bored in classes, so I started to do like um, those like random sketches on my sketchbook, like mm-hmm. very uh, just like drawings. And then people saw my drawings and they're like, "Oh, you're actually like good, kind of good at this." And I was like, "Okay." So I was thinking of like tr- transferring my major, but then I didn't want to like study fine arts as my undergrad study because I feel like I don't know like I kind of want to study more art history or like more humanities stuff mm-hmm. in undergrad because I feel like to become an artist you don't really need people to teach you to like how to paint or like to draw and stuff so I never feel like I need that many classes like that so I transferred into like a major called like visual and critical studies in SBA, mm-hmm. which is kind of like an interdisciplinary major, but it's kind of like fine arts, but with more emphasis on like art history or like philosophy right. or even politics. I have like, I took like a class named like art and politics in undergrad. So like basically that's like my after I transfer, um, yeah. That's pretty uh, advanced in a way to think to yourself at that level. Like, I'm not going to have to go through the, the gauntlet of all these painting courses. What I need to do is understand the conceptual side of things or really think about art and do research and look at art history and think about the concepts of this stuff and focus on that, um, which... I'm sure it paid off, but all the while, were you paint? Did you start painting in the studios, or would did, did you not do that yet? You were just drawing oh. and sketching. Oh, that's also like a funny question because I think I took because it was not really like a fine art major, so I never had my own studio until like the senior year of my undergrad, which is like maybe like 2018. Mm-hmm. So before that, I only take like one or two like foundation painting classes but it's like it's just like three or six hour classes and after the class is done you have to put you the painting like back to the painting rack and go because right. there was like more so like it's it was not really like a constant studio practice um but at the senior year of my undergrad like i finally got like a communal studio uh but I have to share it with like, I don't know, like 10 other people, which is also wild, but also I finally, but finally I got like, I have like a 24 seven studio for me to use. Yeah. So that was when I would say I kind of like seriously started painting. Yeah. And then at that point were the sketches that you were doing and the, the paintings that you're making, were they larger scale? Were they abstract? Or were they, was it something else at that point? No, like, I would say they are kind of large scale in terms of the space I had. Because I only had, like, a tiny corner in that right. communal studio. So I think the largest painting I did in undergrad was, like, 70 inches, sure. 60 inches. Um, but, yeah, I wasn't really able to paint the size I want until I got my own studio after MFA. Right. Yeah. Oh, even in your MFA, you couldn't work large scale? 
No, my MFS studio is like really, really small. It's kind of like half of my bedroom, which is yeah. not that big. <laughs> yeah. Well, when you graduated SVA, at that point you had started painting. And um, so was you just immediately thought, oh, MFA's the next step. I should do that right away. No, I took like a gap year between undergrad and MFA. Uh, to be honest, I never wanted to do an MFA because as I said, I was like, I don't need like people to teach me how to paint or like do my own practice, right? Yeah. But then like my parents were like, because my mom had a MBA and she was like, as my kid, you have to have a master's degree. <laughs> And my mom said, we're not forcing you to get married or have kids, but you have to get a master's degree. And I was like, okay, fine. That's like, wow, that's, that's amazing. <laughs> that's, a, <laughs> um, well, they were true, um, erudite, like, you know, they, they valued education. They valued what a degree could do, I guess. But that's funny because it's pretty like Asian parents mindset. Yeah. 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 Um, the description you gave of what you were searching for in undergrad as opposed to a, a fine arts major is funny because in a lot of master's degree programs, that's kind of what you do is you take critical theory classes or you have a lot of studio visits. And it's not so much of like, you know, mix red and yellow to make orange. It's more about the community okay, and the yeah. conversations. Yeah, it's about immersing yourself in a dialogue and having that community, which is very valuable to people or a lot of people who get their masters. But like how did you find school then? You in in your MFA like going into it you weren't necessarily you know really wanting to go but how was it? I mean it was like kind of like a tough time because the first year was all online remember it was covid. Yeah. So that was tough. Can you imagine yeah, weird, like right? doing like online painting critique? Well, I mean, Resume. I teach, so I, I can't imagine because I did it. I mean, yeah, I but definitely not the best way of teaching. No, not at all. Yeah. I mean, it's hard. Yeah, it was, it was hard, and then like, I don't know because I feel like my MFA we don't really have like, um, departments. So it's like we don't have like painting departments or like sculpture departments. It's like everybody was like in the same pool. Right. So I think. Sometimes I feel like it's hard to critique like other people's practice when it's like a medium that you are not like used to or like a medium that you yourself are, is not working on. And then I don't know. I think my mostly it's like my MFA studio is just like too small. But you you got your BFA at, at SVA and you yeah. went for your MFA at SVA, right? Yeah, yeah. That's pretty unconventional, right? Usually people go somewhere else. I mean, I, I I applied to like maybe like six or seven schools and I, mm -hmm. I got rejected by all of them besides SBA. They know that I don't want to get MFA. So they rejected oh, me. Oh, they could smell or, the yeah, I'm doing this because my parents them. told me to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. It's just my theory. But I'm just not good at doing applications, I guess. Oh, right. And SVA knew you, so they were like, oh, it's a good student. I don't know, but... But, yeah, yeah. but I mean, was it... What do you think you got out of the MFA program besides a small studio? 
that you didn't get an undergraduate? I'm still in touch with like a few teachers and like mm-hmm. my peers, and I think that's like the most valuable part. Yeah. Um, and I think in my MFA, I like more and more realize that what's the thing I want in my life and what's the thing I don't want in my life. I guess. Yeah. Were there any teachers that you really bonded with that you felt like really helped you on your path? Yeah. Yeah, I have like one professor that I really bonded to and we we still like met every few months because he's mm-hmm. like now in my Brooklyn studio building, so we're kinda of like studio neighbors. Oh nice. Yeah. S- small world. Yeah. No, I got into <laughs> my studio building in Best Eyes through through him because he gave oh, okay. me the leasing office number and then I I texted. So yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Nice. So, um, so the first year was online. Yeah. Was it nice to have? Was the second year kind of semi-normal? Yeah, I was really, really depressed during the first year because you yeah. know you don't really see people. Like all you do is like doing online classes. I mean, for the first year, we could still use the studio in school, but they have really rigorous like regulation about mask. Yeah. So like, it's crazy. yeah, it was super crazy so i barely really met any real people during the yeah. first year yeah that's the thing it's almost easier in zoom because you don't have to worry about putting on the full body suit and freaking out and being in a space and you know sometimes they wouldn't let people be in for a certain amount of time it was just very complicated yeah yeah i think that's why everyone it was hard for everyone i think yeah you know, mentally yeah, and of course. just making work. Of course. Unless you had, you know, a house upstate and you had a huge studio and then it was great, you know. It but was, other, for yeah, pe- people in the city it wasn't that great. <laughs> um so when did your work I mean it was it grad school that your work started to take shape of what it looks like? I mean, I only know it from recently, you know, seeing it fairly recently. So when did you start to get really interested in this sort of physical lyrical abstraction because they're pretty impressive and there's a sort of beauty to the movement in them and the layering and yeah um i guess like because it was so before i didn't really get a chance to like look at paintings in person before i moved to new york you know but like Mm -hmm. after i moved to the city and then like in undergrad i don't have that much like homework or stuff to do like outside of class and then my my school ID can get me into like all the museums for free so Mm -hmm. I just started to go to like museums especially like MoMA or like the Met and that was when I started to like be drawn to like New York school abstract expressionism paintings Mm -hmm. so I think when I started to paint I just like very heavily influenced by those people and because the reason why i started to do drawings and then paintings is like i you know like as an i think as a young adult you're going to a lot of like difficulties or like some depression periods in your lifetime so Mm -hmm. that was like when i tried started to do drawing it it is to like escape from the reality that I was in if I have to say it that way 
So I think when I started to make paintings, I quickly realized that I don't want to paint anything that you can see in real life. And that is like abstraction. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess my work is always like never changed that much. But in terms of the style languages, maybe it, it has developed over the years. But yeah, I think I make it very clear at the beginning that like this is the stuff I am going to do. Yeah. Th- so, well, let's get into a little bit of the the vibe of it. So it's got this sort of dark heaviness to it, but the movement feels light and airy in a way. And then I've, you know, in reading about, and like I said before, I don't know if it's true or not, but if you're channeling certain emotions or anxiety or anxiousness or um, joy or whatever it is that you're using to fuel the movement of the painting, um, how do you, how were you drawn to that kind of aesthetic outside of like its relationship to you know, abstract expressionism or things like that, but the overall like feeling of it, especially in some of those shots of you in the studio with multiple paintings around and then all the paint on the floor and that sort of dark, it's, it just feels heavy. Like the, the palette feels heavy, but the movement feels light. Um, I don't know how to describe the move as light because I feel like my paintings are always like very intense, mm-hmm. I guess. I guess it's because like I always grew up in I grew up in a very like fast developing city in like Shenzhen and then I moved to New York which is also like a very fast paced city so I guess I'm always surrounded by like a displacement of my surroundings and that kind of like like results in the movements I am doing in my painting because like when I paint I don't really think about the movements or stuff like that I just paint you know and um, I don't know if the movements are light or because I'm I'm always trying to create like a chaotic relationship between those shapes or like layers in my paintings to like as a metaphor of like the living condition of human being because like yeah. think about everything we have been through over the years like COVID or, or like the war and stuff you know you there's like always like a sense of like unpredictability in the life in our lives you never know like what's gonna happen tomorrow and I feel like I want to kind of like depict that kind that that sense of like turbulence in my painting yeah, well, like if you take that description, if you look like at a painter like Julie Maratu, mm-hmm. I feel like there's a lot of chaos and movement and complexity that mirrors like our society of as far as like data and information and the busyness and the the sort of you know you the saturation of all this stuff happening, which which is funny because in your paintings there is does really feel like this connection to abstraction expressionism and Lee Krasner and you know Frankenthaler or Pollock or people like that who are making that kind of work which feels a little separate from the new media digital kind of uh, information based um, sublime or, or craziness that's in our world is that something you're intentionally going for is is having the paintings quote a time from before that era 
of of the sort of like new media stuff? I don't really like correlate it to the new media eras or stuff or like I don't post internet any of that. I but feel we're like, living in that. Yeah, but I feel I'm pretty like a really I'm pretty extreme in some ways. I'm really like just kind of old fashioned. So my process is very like uh, intuitive and I never mm-hmm. make any sketches. So I don't really know how should I relate to those like new media and stuff. So it's basically coming from uh, almost like an unconscious movement and yeah. play of paint on the canvas. Yeah. Well, it, yeah, and that's the thing. It doesn't have to pictorially relate to that at all. It can just relate to that. I mean, you're a person living in this current world, so no matter what, you're kind of taking in today's society and making the work that you're making in relation to that, whether it's literal or whether it's a subconscious, you know? Yeah. But I definitely see this sort of nexus of lots of layers and movement and, you know, action and all that's all those ingredients kind of feel um i don't want to say busy busy's not the right word but active you know and the paintings feel very active yeah do you listen to stuff while you work sometimes i do but mostly i don't but when you when you do does it affect it or is it lady gaga (laughs) no it just like some music that because like my so I paint like six to eight hours per day, which is not like a long time. But like when I paint, I don't really think about like I cannot do other stuff when I paint, right? Because I have like some other painter friends, they can call their friends or like doing other stuff when they paint. Yeah, yeah. So I would say I cannot. So like all the music I'm listening to just to like bring some energy into my body. Right, right. So, but I don't really like listen, listen to the music when I paint. So, would you say that you have certain music that you'll put on if you need that energy that might be totally different than stuff you listen to when you go yeah. home and yeah, you're just it's chilling? Just kind of like gym music, you know? Yeah, yeah. The the music you listen to when you're all like elliptical or I don't know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah stuff yeah, yeah. that gets yeah. the blood pumping. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, it's not like super. Um, yeah like beethoven or (laughs) you know like moonlight serenade puts you to sleep yeah you need something that's kind of gets you going yeah yeah i feel like uh they're i mean the, the the paintings that you make have a sort of sonic feel to them as well i mean i have this problem where when i look at paintings i just think of music it just happens so I can't help but do that. And it, your your work has such movement and it's the, the scale of it. It just feels sonic in a sense. Like they don't feel like silent paintings in other words. Yeah, I feel like they're very noisy paintings. Yeah, yeah. And layered. Like there's a lot of instruments playing or, or sounds at the same time. But they yeah. go together. They're not completely disparate. Like it's kind of works, but it's confusing a little bit. Mm. that's not a bad thing yeah like turner i love turner paintings and they're oh i love turner there's they're swirling and confusing but beautiful and sublime and you know it's a mix of that stuff together yeah 
Were there any other painters outside of, you know, the ones that you mentioned with abstraction and stuff that you're really inspired by? Um, I love Francis Bacon. I love Francis Bacon. Speaking oh, of yeah. somebody who's really dead. Uh, yeah, because yeah, I feel like in his painting, he he just let those like, very chaotic parts, concentrating on very small part of his painting. And the painting, right. he ha- the, his painting have like a lot of like spatial relationship, but also they are very like dark, intense. Yeah. And yeah, I love Bacon. And Yeah, the, and they have that heaviness too that I think your work has. It kind of feels yeah. weighted. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, I don't know if you remember... But when you were at the the uh, Picasso Museum in Barcelona, did they have the Las Meninas room with all those studies of Las Meninas? I couldn't remember. Yeah, I was, was like a, eleven a long or time. twelve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, I mean, that museum is incredible. I just say I was there. I don't know, right before COVID, and uh, yeah. I was blown away. But I like my favorite all time painting, at least number one or number two, probably number one is Guernica. And I could oh, see, I was going to say that. Yeah, I remember saying that. Yeah, I could yeah. totally see you I being interested that in that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of conceptual heaviness to it as well. But it's got this sort of monochromatic straightforwardness to it. But just the movement in that painting is amazing. Anyways, I could talk about that forever. I taught a whole class on that painting <laughs> for a semester. <laughs> it's There's a lot in it. Yes. Yeah. So, um... What are you working on now, these days? Do you have anything coming up? Yeah, actually, um, so I just moved into this new residency. I'm still like steadily in and trying mm-hmm. to like get used to come the new environment. But um, I have a new show coming up in uh, which is gonna open at the end of May. It's like in London, so it's like gonna opening during London Gallery Weekend. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. In Scarstead Gallery. Are you going to go for that? Yeah, of course. That's exciting. Yeah. Um, and right, then, my... yeah, go I ahead. have like, a, I have works in the upcoming Hong Kong Art Basel. So. Nice. Yeah. Will you go to that? That's not. No. No. Definite that you would go. Okay. <laughs> It's like sixteen hours flight. It's like too crazy. Yeah, it's it's a long and ways. They have like the London show deadline, so probably not going. Do you speak any Cantonese or just Mandarin? Oh, my Cantonese is getting super bad. It was not great at the beginning because I'm not really good at learning languages, but now Cantonese for me is like almost I cannot understand or speak. I don't think you could speak as good of English as you do and say that you're not good at learning languages. That's <laughs> not fair. Cantonese is like, because in Shenzhen, it's, although it's in um, Canton, but like, yeah. it's filled with immigrants. So like, my parents don't speak Cantonese at home. And in school or in daily life, we don't speak Cantonese. So right. like, yeah, it's very Mandarin few there, right? Yeah. yeah. So I don't really speak Cantonese. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I want to go to Hong Kong. I think it'd be a fun place to visit. Have you been? No. Oh. I haven't been anywhere in Asia besides Japan. Oh, you should go to Hong Kong. It's going to be fun. I know. Yeah, it's I feel hard because yeah. 
when my family goes, we go to Japan and it's a long flight. So we end up spending all our time there and we, we never really go anywhere else. But. Yeah, but Japan and Hong Kong is only like three hours flight. If you're in Asia and for a while, it's better you can just like go. I know, I know. Yeah. Gotta do it. Yeah, it would be fun. All right, here's my last question. Are you ready? This is, yeah. I saved the most important one for the last. Okay. Favorite restaurant in New York City? I'm thinking, I, I love this like obakase place in Tribeca called um, Sushi Ishimura. Ishimura. Okay. And um, yeah, that's my favorite restaurant if I have like unlimited money. Okay. Uh, and it was very nice to, to meet and talk. And uh, I guess the last question would be where people can, I guess Instagram's the best place for people to follow your work and to see what you're up to. Yes. Uh, I used to have a website, but now I kind of like stopped <laughs> updating it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think so a lot it of just, people are on that boat. <laughs> yeah. Because like, I think on, in the website, you'll have the obligation to put all of your work, even like earlier works on your website and that kind of yeah. creates like <laughs> i don't know it kind of makes me anxious because i feel like some of my older works i'm like do i really want people to see them <laughs> yeah. all right yeah. here's my last last question okay <laughs> what do the characters of your name mean the, oh this is like a funny one um so like my family name which is Fang actually mm-hmm. means like square in Chinese. Okay. And then my given name, Yuan, uh, actually it's this, it pronounces the same as the character of like um, circle in Chinese. So oh, in circle Chinese, square? my because <laughs> yeah, and also we in Chinese, we do like family name first and then like right. given name second. So my Chinese, in Chinese, my name literally sounds like square circle. That's pretty good. Yeah. It's geometric. Yeah, it's very geometric. And abstract. It's like abstract. Yeah. Geometric abstraction. Yes. Definitely, yeah. I'm not like a clean geometric abstract painter, but yeah. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Um, well, it was very nice to get to know you and to talk, and thanks so much but, for doing the podcast. Thank you for inviting me this. I feel so honored. Oh, it's, it's a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Vision is recorded, edited, and produced by myself, Brian Alfred. You can find out more about the podcast by checking out soundvisionpodcast.com. Many thanks to Golden Artist Colors, Fulcrum Coffee Roasters, and the New York Studio School for their ongoing support for the podcast. Many thanks to Yuan for speaking to me about her work. If you are in the UK, make sure you check out her show at Scarstead in May. And if you're in Shanghai, check out her solo show at the Long Museum. If you can support the podcast, please leave a rating and a review or share it with a friend, make a post, share the word. That's how the podcast gets out there and continues to find people who are interested in hearing artist stories. So many thanks to you for listening. Got some good guests coming up, so make sure you stay tuned, stay subscribed, stay ready to hear more artist stories. And one more thing, about a month from now, I will be opening my solo show, Beauty is a Rare Thing, at Miles McHenry Gallery, featuring two bodies of work, a bunch of landscapes, and uh, portraits of musicians. The show will open March 28th, and the 
at the opening, there will be some music being played by Evan from Ratatat, who is Evax. And we will have some grim ale on hand made, especially for the show. So if you like good music, drinks, and art, make sure you come out. It's open to everyone. Thursday night, March 28th at Miles McHenry Gallery on 22nd Street. We'll see you there. Thanks so much for listening.